630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, thanks for choosing Inside Sports over 250 Tuesdays at the movie theater at Village Tree Mall in St. Albert. I really appreciate that. Yes, Duncan Keith is an Edmonton Oiler, and it continues to be a hot discussion topic in this market, and we'll continue discussing that tonight. And you've had about 24 hours to think about it, and I'm sure listen and read and watch and talk about it yourselves. So we got open line time again, of course, and you can also text in 780-496-0063. If you're calling, you're using the hotline presented by CertainTeed Professional Grade Building Materials, 780-496-0063. Was it Village, was it Village Green or was it Village Tree, the, the mall in St. Albert? And, and it's not still called that, is it? Somebody from St. Albert helped me out. When I would, but when I was a teenager, living in Evansburg, parents used to take me to movies in the summer, summer holidays, 250 Tuesdays. Uh, I, I don't think the mall is in the same form there in St. Albert as it is now. Sometimes I drive by it, make the occasional trip to St. Albert. Don't hold it against me, Edmontonians. But anyway, that's uh, one of our off-topic topics for this evening. I, uh, I want to ask you something else before we get into some Duncan Keith stuff because, as I'm sure many of you know, uh, Cindy says it was indeed Village Tree. Or is it, Cindy, is it still there? Is it still called that? Thank you, Cindy, for writing in. Uh, I want to ask everybody something. I'm assuming if you're listening to a sports uh, radio show in Edmonton, you're probably at least somewhat of a hockey fan. So what is your level of interest or to what level do you uh engage with or you know look into or research what is referred to in hockey circles as analytics so that's you know the fancy stats do you when when i talk about something like that when stoffer talks about something like that and i say the word corsi or fenwick or you know possession time or goals per 60 or or things like that does that interest you do you want to know that? Do you have a heavy interest, a, a somewhat of an interest, like a casual interest, or, or do, you, do you have no interest? I'm curious to know that because we have seen sometimes with some players, and maybe Duncan Keith is one of them, in which uh, hockey analysts who are more heavy in, in, into analytics might say this is an awful trade for the Oilers, this guy can't play hockey anymore, uh, whereas other people might say, and it's interesting, I've reached out to several uh, ex-players and even an ex-coach or two in the NHL. And most of them think it's at least okay that the Oilers did this. A couple of them think it's great. Most of them kind of think it'll help, though they still need more. And then a couple were kind of like, yeah, you know, probably, but not sure if, if, if that's the answer. Um, whereas some people who rely more heavily on on maybe some of those numbers are are thinking that it's bad. I, I will say this. I, I get a little frustrated about this. Not talking about it. Because I, I, it, it's, it is an interesting way to look at the game. And I find myself looking at these numbers sometimes and, you know, have, I've had to become educated on them a little bit just because I, I got to talk about hockey a lot. Um, but I, one thing that frustrates me is I feel like there's uh, an analytics community and there's an old school hockey community, but they're all talking about the same thing. You know, it's like if you, 
if if something is uh is wrong with uh if you have a leak in your bathroom you know you call a plumber and you expect him to fix it he's not going to show up and say oh sorry i'm not the bathtub guy i'm the sink guy like you want the plumber so that's what I don't understand in hockey, and I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying a little bit because I think most organizations now use analytics, have analytics people who combine it with all the other information they have. So I don't think it's, it needs to be so black and white where it's like, well, I look at Corsi and that's all I use to evaluate a player. There should be other things. Colton has texted in. He's, uh, Colton's very active on the text line. He named a calf after me. He says, I don't look too much into it, but I don't think they are garbage stats. And yes, I want to know, but I somewhat lean to the eye test a bit more. Uh, this texter says, heavy interest. They aren't the be-all and end-all, but they're very useful too to quantify things in large samples that hardly anybody will be able to see. That's an interesting way to put it. I mean, hockey is hundreds, thousands of events over the course of a season. And if you watched any player in one game, and he had a bad game, you might think, oh, well, he's a terrible player. But if you look at how everything balanced out over the course of the season, then you might think, okay, he's actually not that bad. I mean, Rob and I kind of half joke about face-offs all the time when we talk on overtime open line. Like a guy's a 52% face-off guy, and he's a face-off wizard, and he's 48%. And it's like, oh, he can't win a face-off. Now, that adds up to, you know, several dozen face-offs over the course of a season. Um Brian says, uh, I don't have a clue and really don't care about the whole Corsi, et cetera. I'm still stuck in the 80s and use the plus minus. Mike says, Moneyball worked for the Braves and the Red Sox, so why not the Oilers? Uh, well, of course, the Oakland A's were. See, see, here's the thing, Mike, and I, you, you know, I, you've probably read Moneyball and or watched the movie. I did both. I watched the movie first. Moneyball, the way I interpret it and – you know, feel free if, I, if I'm misremembering the book and some of the analysis about it. Um, but the, the way I look at Moneyball and how that all started is what the A's did was they decided that because they were a smaller market team, they weren't going to, that they had to value different stats and, and pay for those stats. So I, I don't know if they invented anything totally different but they said okay the new york yankees will play I, I can't remember the this was from 20 years ago but we'll pay whoever they had in the lineup you know 15 million dollars a year to hit home runs we can't afford that so we have to take that 15 million dollars what how can we score runs that doesn't involve having a highly paid slugger so they looked at the things like you know, the on-base percentage drawing walks the value of defense so i th so yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's ex exactly the, uh, the the exact same comparison, but that's how I remember Moneyball. Is that they sort of uh, they they still were using stats that other teams were using. They just decided, okay, you know, this this player draws a lot of walks and steals a lot of bases and never strikes out. We think there's value in that. He the Yankees might pay him two million dollars. We're gonna pay him two and a half and get a few more guys like him and that's how we're going to score our runs as opposed to having a guy in the three hole and a guy in a four hole that pounded deep all the time that's kind of how i think the a's approach that now again you guys again almost i think the book came out in 01 i probably read it shortly after that 
So anyway, uh, Sean says, I tune it out. Some stats are useful, but overall, the people that use it as a hard form of opinion of a player for whatever reason, and then they look for and present the stats that show what they want to believe, and they're never wrong. <laughs> and uh, they are very vocal. Uh, well, yeah, that is... I mean, that's the thing, right? When, you, when you're forming an opinion or on a player, and then you want to look into it deeper you have to kind of remove your own bias and uh i I certainly both as a human being as as a broadcaster sometimes find myself like okay maybe i've always thought uh you know joey and londonderry was a good face-off guy right and then i look at his face-off stats and then i see that his d-zone stats aren't very good and then i you know you gotta dig into stuff and change your opinion but uh yeah i think and, and Sean, I, I will say this. I don't think it's the entire analytics community. I think there have been some members of that community who have been uh, very aggressive and have a very poor bedside manner, so to speak, which make um, the way they present their opinions hard to take. And, hey, some of us who do shows like this, some of you probably think I'm like that, which, which is fine. Uh, but I think sometimes person, if you don't like the person's personality, that might weigh into you not wanting to listen to them. And yes, sometimes they never admit they're wrong, which isn't great. Uh, v says, I follow analytics and understand them, but they are part of the picture and will lean and uh, I will lean towards eye test over graphs. Analytics isn't an exact science in hockey because you don't have uh, the same, you don't start at the same spot like baseball. Yeah, baseball starts with a much more static confrontation. You know, if it's it's pitcher and batter, who whoever wins that battle then determines the what how it's set up for the next batter in the inning. You know, there's not the same type of flow to the game. So I think baseball does lend itself to making more black and white decisions on analytical type stuff. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Chris on the line. Hey Chris, thanks for calling. Hey man, how's it going? Good. I'm happy to hear from you. Good. Hey, I've been scouting for the past uh, decade from junior B all the way up to, well, up to tier two, uh, tier two junior A, a little bit of work in the USHL. Uh, cool. About the, about the analytics thing, uh, you know, out of all the, all the kids we moved through, if you go solely off analytics, I've been disappointed a few times by kids we brought in that were just based on analytics. Uh, it has a place in the game. Yeah, sure. Uh, but boots on the ground scouting, you get a lot more information. You get information on who the kid's playing against. Uh, what do you feel that night? The opposition, maybe, maybe there was a flu that ripped through the club that night. Um, you get a lot more information with boots on the ground. Analytics does have its place, but people that are ripping apart Duncan Keith because some garbage on paper think they need to give their heads a shake a little bit. So even uh, you mentioned you even scouted Junior B, and I covered, it was a while ago now, but I covered the Northeastern Alberta Junior B League when I lived in Lloyd. So you're saying like even Junior B teams now are, are doing analytics stuff, eh? Junior B teams have been doing analytics for a long time because usually junior B teams don't have the resources to send guys across province to province to look for kids. Uh, Especially in the the Northeast Alberta Junior B Hockey League, if you look at the stats uh, on the top three teams, we're bringing kids from all over the place. Uh, And you know what? Sometimes you look at the stat sheet and just because a kid was dominant in, in say, the Keystone Hockey League in Manitoba, you bring him into the Northeast, uh, you never know really what you're going to get. But if you take the time and go see the kid, yeah, you'll have an idea who he's playing against, uh, his temperament, his mood, his coach's opinions, everything. So, uh, yeah, as far as analytics goes, I wouldn't put uh, all the eggs in the basket on that one. Okay. You know, I appreciate that perspective, Chris. I'm glad you called in. Thanks, man. All right, take care. Bye.
That's Chris, 780-496-0063. Wow, the Fizzler has texted the show tonight. A true treat whenever the Fizzler writes in because he prefers engaging with another sports show on this station over this one. And that's fine, Fizzler. I do appreciate your presence. He says analytics isn't everything, but it is a valuable source of information. Keith's numbers have been declining for a few years, and with his age and cap hit, you have the potential for a really bad trade. That is from uh, the Fizzler. And you know what, Fizzler, that's a fair comment, and I talked about that last night. And I even said, to me, my ceiling for this trade is that it turns out to be a good trade for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I, I, it, it, it's difficult for me to see a scenario where just this trade turns makes the Oilers a great team and I've said it tons of times for the last two years that you guys might be sick of hearing it the Oilers are a good team they're a second tier team trying to become a great team trying to become a top tier team this trade alone uh doesn't do it and that and that's the the biggest fear is that on December 31st we're having a discussion where it's like oh my Keith's game has really dropped off what could have the Oilers done with that money that that is for me, the primary concern. And look, I'm not writing the guy off. I'm not saying he's done, but I think I have to present that as, as a concern, as something as I see as a risk. Okay, we've got a couple more people on hold. i got to get in a quick break. More of your calls inside Sports on Chet. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, baseball All-Star Game just underway, just underway, uh, two-thirds of the way through the first inning. No score between the AL and the NL. 780-496-0063 if you want to chime in tonight. Well, I appreciate that uh, this individual has called in because I, I would guess that this person is scratching his head and perhaps suffering a little bit after four members of his team suffered Achilles injuries on one day as I welcome Riders fan to the show. Uh, I, I know you want to probably talk about hockey, but that is a tough one, buddy. That's uh, I don't wish that on anybody. That was unbelievable. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often, um, but that's what it is when you haven't played football for, uh, I guess, since 2020 or whatever it is. So you've got to expect that, but it's unfortunate. Um, hey, yeah, Reed, I, well, want to do, I, do want, I do want to talk about hockey. This is my take on it. Right, wrong, or indifferent. When you see value in this world nowadays, you have to pay for it than what you see. So my take on it is, <clears throat> if the Oilers see the hockey player, or Holland sees the hockey player as $3.5 million player, I'd pitch it to the owner that the other $2 million is experience and intangibles and the other things, the Stanley Cup championships, the gold medals, the, the other things like that. And so if I was in his seat, which I'm clearly not, that's the way I pitch it to the, to the ownership group and to Dave Tippett and everybody else and, and just say, listen, when you want to buy value, what, are you gonna, what, is, what is it worth? Is the player worth $4 million? Is the player worth 35 or three? Then the other part, you have to chalk that up on a whole other, on a whole other level, and call it the intangible that the player brings. And that's my take on it, on on Duncan Keith. And I'm all for this move. 
I think it's uh, the right move. And I think, uh, you know, that it's going to be something that we're going to look back on and say, the player is worth three and a half million dollars, but the rest of it is where it's what we, what we don't see. What do you think of that? Yeah, thanks, Riders fan. I, well, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it is how you assign value. So Riders fan is saying the player's worth this much, but his experience and what he might add to the team otherwise could be worth the other $2 million out of the five and a half. I, again, and, and, that's, and I said that last night, that, you know, I, I believe that that was it for negotiation. Holland said, I'm not giving you one of our better prospects. And Bowman said, well, then fine, I'm not going to retain any money and I know that's a big sticking point for a lot of you that that's fair enough because I talked about that last week where I'm like man Chicago has got to keep it a little bit they didn't so Ken Holland decided that player was worth it many of you might have walked away from the deal at that point but I I don't think that the two GMs were going to bend each other uh, any more than they had we'll get to Elvis here before we break for the news then if you're you're, if you're on hold and your name's not Elvis we'll bring you in after the uh, 630 news Elvis go ahead Hey, Reed. So, uh, first of all, analytics. I think analytics are so important, especially during the COVID era when you couldn't get eyes on a player. Uh, and I think you had some video analytics played a huge part. But just like analytics, and you want to talk about the, um, Mr. Keith, there's outliers. And analytics will have outliers that you got to move from the equation. And I, uh, the Duncan Keith trade, well, you look at some of his outliers. The last two years, uh, everyone's saying he hasn't done very well. The numbers kind of produce that. And it's shows or whatever you can make all kinds of excuses and different things i think that kenny holland promised us that he was going to build a strong team here i believe that he's doing that i believe that he's brought someone to the table that uh, so you take caleb jones 850k you subtract that from the five million whatever and then you throw a price tag on whatever you want you, you use any funds that you can get i think this is the beginning of kenny holling kenny holland spending his money read in a way where he'll put this this his stamp on this team moving forward and i'm expecting a goalie i'm expecting a winger or two uh, and I, I think this team is just going to be a, a heck of a lot better and compete. And with Duncan Keith in there, I'll go back to to uh, Edmonton here when we're in that play-in round. And he had a lot to do with knocking the Oilers out of that play, play-in round. All right. Thank you, Elvis. We got Robert up next, 780-496-0063, talking about Duncan Keith analytics or really whatever else you want to talk about. Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Elks training camp continuing. Morley Scott will have an update coming up in about an hour. CFL back at it on August 5th. Elks play a game August 7th. And, of course, we have it for you right here on 630 Chet. Bob Stoffer will check in a little bit later on as well as we continue breaking down the Duncan Keith trade. Definitely the talk of, well, it's probably the talk of the uh, hockey world right now, not just here in Edmonton. Uh, well, there's some pretty big developments, I guess, in uh, in Minnesota today. And uh, Pecorine retired, one of the all-time uh, great goaltenders over the last 15 or 20 years with the Nashville Predators. I also asked and uh, i got a few texts about it you can keep that coming in when it comes to hockey analytics corsi fenwick zone starts 
the possession time numbers, all that kind of stuff. What is your level of interest and why? Heavy, casual, or none? And I'm not saying that there's a wrong answer. I'm not going to you know, make fun or pick apart any answer. I think that that's the beauty of sports is you kind of can consume it however you want. And uh, I, I certainly know from doing a job like this for the last several years that there are some people who watch. I, I've, I have known some Oilers fans who have watched every game twice and break it down and write about it and talk about it. Uh, some people might be passionate fans and love the team, but simply wouldn't have the time to do that. Some people wouldn't have the interest to do that. They'll say, hey, I'll watch Hockey Night in Canada. I'll watch the playoffs or, or whatever. So, hey, there's no right or wrong answer. Uh, but I am curious uh, your level of interest in analytics. Do you seek it out? Do you take it as it comes? Or do you not even care? Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Robert on the line. Hey, Robert, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, how you hey. doing? Good, good. Well, I guess uh, I, guess I heard you. I heard you mention uh, Saint Albert right off the top of the show. And I guess you you mentioned that that. that uh, Village Tree area. Well, it's called well, it's well, well, it's it's actually now called uh, Village Landing, just in case nobody told you. Okay, so is it a, is it still a shopping center? Well, it's it's uh, well, it's, it's a smaller, it's a smaller, uh, it's a smaller shopping center now. Like it's not okay. the, but it's like a, it's got like it's got like a like a, a save on a shoppers and a few other small stores. But anyway, that's the. That's basically it. that's basically what that is now. Okay. But uh, yeah, so I guess it's like I guess I'll, I'll I'll touch a little bit on this uh, talk about the uh, analytics. Personally, I like it simply because simply because it allows you to uh, it allows you to find out to to find out more about a player, especially especially when it's a player. Uh, you know, especially when it's a player that you don't watch all the time, and especially this past year with it being, with it being is the the division being uh, the uh, we had the, the divisions being all whatever, and it was the uh, uh, you know the all Canadian division. I didn't watch much of Chicago, so I did. So right. I, I, I so I so I mean I didn't see a ton of uh, a ton of Duncan Keith, but 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 I think uh, I think overall again, as I said last night, I think it. I think it's a good trade. I mean, I, I, I mean. Okay, I think we lost Robert. <laughs> or, 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 okay, I was wondering if I got cut off. But, okay, well, Robert, I think, I think, uh, good point. Appreciate the update on St. Albert for sure. Um, yeah, here, here's the thing I'll say, too. When I look at the advanced stats, there is one thing that I will almost always check when I'm looking at the possession stats and that's I'll use the Corsi or the five on five numbers and things like that. So the, the again, if, if, if for people who aren't interested, the Corsi is the percentage of shot attempts while the player in question was on the ice, how many were directed at the other team's net and how many was directed at his own team's net. And it's shot attempts, so it's not just shots on goal. So if I'm on the ice and my line takes five shots on goal, pardon me, it takes five shots, even if they all go wide, we get credit for five shot attempts. And if we didn't give up any in our end, it'd be five divided by five, which would be 100%. 
I mean, usually a, like a really good Corsi would be, you know, 53, 54, 55%, because as I was talking about, hockey is hundreds, thousands of, of shot attempts and little events throughout the course of a season. But the one thing I will always check is the zone starts, because a guy might have a 48% Corsi, and you might think, oh, geez, he's on the ice for more shot attempts against than four, but it might say when he went out for a faceoff, 60% of the time he started in his own end. So a 48% might be better, would be better than a 48% of a guy who started more in the offensive end. So, so you also have to know how to use the tools. You can't kind of just pick one number and decide it's the be all and end all. Well, we're getting some uh, legendary callers in tonight. This guy has performed musical numbers on overtime open line a few times over the years. He's chiming in on inside sports tonight. It is Mike from Ottawa. Hey, Mike. Hey, Reed. How's it going? I'm actually in my jam room calling you right now. <laughs> do you have something ready to go? Oh, I will. Uh, geez, my electric's not plugged in. Uh, geez, what can I do here? What can I do? Maybe a quick little drum roll here or something, you know. Just Some a leopard, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> there that. we go. <laughs> we got a drum roll. That's good. That's I, I, good. I don't have my uh, guitar plugged in, unfortunately, because I jammed with the boys there last week. It was great. So, yeah, not too bad. How you doing? Yeah, I am doing well. It's nice to hear from you. What are you thinking tonight? I just want to chime in on the Keith trade. Um, it's for, there was a lot of people, I think, in my position that at first had a little bit of a panic, and I'll admit I panicked a little bit here when I heard, because there was a lot of buildup. There was, you know, a week to two weeks of talk about it, and then we had as fans a lot of podcasts and articles to read about different people that we trust opinions on it. So it really got everybody i think a lot of fans with a sort of opinion on what they thought was going to be good or bad before it actually occurred which is doesn't always happen with a trade you know what i mean like sometimes you find out just on the fly so um i follow a lot of cult of the hockey stuff and they were very worried worried about like for me it was basically a, a question of what would he get in the free market for two years if he was a free agent and that some people will argue that that's not a fair um, comparison because he wasn't a free agent, but I'm just saying like, what is his value right now? And are we going to be able to get him at that value? Um, and so, you know, they were saying, call talking, maybe one and a half, uh, Bruce McCurdy, one and a half million, Dave Staples thinking I wouldn't pay him more than two and a quarter. So when he came through at the full pop, I was like, Oh, you know, it's like, Oh God, this is like twice what I thought maybe we'd get and very, very panicked and stuff. But as, you know, calmed down a bit from it, walked back a bit off the cliff there and, uh, and kind of like analyze it from many different points of views. And uh, I think, and I think a lot of people feel like I do. We're happy with having him on the team with the pedigree, the respect, and I actually went to a Chicago, you know, we have Oilers nation and multiple different websites that our fans, I went to Chicago's version of that to see what they're saying about it. And instead of, Lots of them sort of laughing at the Oilers and saying, ah, this is horrible trade. I can't believe that they did this. It was more about all the talk was about how sad that they're going to be to see Keith go, you know. And um, so that made me think twice and, and say, okay, well, you know, maybe they feel like they're actually losing something. And I am an analytics guy. I like analytics. Um, I also like watching hockey, and I like forming my opinions as I watch hockey. So I'd say I'm sort of both which I think is the best way to be. And um, the biggest thing I think would be that, you know, when, when Bob Stoffer says, you know, Oilers players like Connor and Leon and the crew are happy to have Keith, it's sure. good to hear that. But I'm pretty sure that Holland doesn't go to them and say, Connor, at five and a half million, are you happy to have Keith? He probably just says, 
how do you feel about having Keith? He doesn't give him the details of the trade and say at five and a half million, what do you think? That's the GM's job, right? So yeah, for sure. I, I think that's yeah. fair, fair assumption. Yeah, see, exactly. So you got to kind of take that with the grain of salt when he, when he's using the sort of defense, I guess, to say that they would want him on a team because at the bottom, at the, when you look at this, the way that since the cap came in, basically, if you want to build a team, it's cap versus performance is the way I look at it. They're AAV versus the performance and the ratio. And if you have a team where your the ratio is high, those numbers are high when each player is evaluated, uh, then you're going to have a team that's going to contend. And you just have to look at all the winning teams. That's how it happens. So, you know, that's the thing that frustrated me and continues to frustrate me is looking at that cap versus performance. Now, the performance is yet to come, so we don't know what the performance well, is going to be. Well, that's the thing. And the team's far yeah. from... The opening day lineup so uh, exactly. I, I always take that with a grain of salt for for sure i mean again I, I i think i've been pretty honest with the risk the risk is it's 41 games into the season and duncan keith looks like a third pairing or worse defenseman and then you're mm-hmm. thinking oh my god what could have we spent that money on especially mm-hmm. if we still don't have a third line center well, it, <laughs> which i yeah. think is a huge hole as well yeah, yeah, and, and and I go back to even with dry saddle. When we were talking about the dry saddle deal, everybody was there was a lot of talk about always oh, worth seven million, and we signed him at eight and a half. And now we look in hindsight, we say oh eight and a half was an amazing deal. But still, if we had him at seven, it would have been even better. Like if we signed him at seven, it's not like he would have played worse. I don't think. I don't think he would have had resentment and decided to play worse. So of course, no. an extra million and a half would help. So so you could argue yes, it's a steal, and yes, it's a steal. But at seven, it's even more of a steal. So with the same logic on Keith, because it's all just numbers, it all adds up. You know, that, yes, I'm glad we have him on a team. Yes, I think hopefully he'll be good in the second pair and crossing my fingers that he will work well with hopefully Larson who gets signed. But, yeah, what do you think? I also wonder, Mike, and I'll let you finish. I just want to jump in here. I I also wonder if GMs, sometimes, not some of them, I, I don't know specifically if Ken Holland does this. I think he has referenced comments like this in the past, but... What, I think they look at their roster sometimes and say, okay, I have the 81 and a half million or whatever it is right now. I mm-hmm. want to spend this much on forwards. I want to spend this much on D and I want to spend this much on goalies. And maybe sometimes they think, okay, like Ken Holland in his back of his mind that he would never admit might be thinking to himself, okay, I'm overpaying Duncan Keith, but I think Bouchard, still on an entry level, for example, might be able to play to this value, and then that's going to be a bargain. You know, like just yeah. to use that. So, like, I'm not trying to like defend it because I, I, I actually do think Duncan Keith is overpaid for what he will bring to the Oilers. Very likely. Same here. Same here. But I do, but I do think GMs might look at a position set as a whole and say, okay, I'm going to spend twenty million dollars on defense, and now I just have to decide how I split it up. And you're, it's funny you say that, Rick, because I, since I'm a numbers guy, I love crunching analytics. I have spreadsheets on COVID and vaccines, you name it, blah, blah. So, when the, so I'm sitting here looking at Cap Friendly at Tampa Bay right now on my computer as I talk to you and looking at the Oilers. And I said, is the second pairing $5 million? Is that too much? Like Morgan Riley's making five now. If he gets re-signed, you know, he had a bad year, but he's maybe going to get five, six long-term, maybe something like that. So I don't know. But I'm looking at this. So they have Hedman at 7.8. They got McDonough at 6.7. Then on Sergeyev, 4.8. And then Cernak, 2.9. And and then yeah, Ruda 1.3. That's who they have signed for next year. So so their first pairing, you know, they have the 7.8, 6.7, but then their second, they got 4.8. That's close to five. They're Stanley Cup winning team. We all praise them in everything that they do. And they have a guy playing, you know, Sergachev, he played almost third line, didn't he, in the playoffs? 
second, third, you would say, depending on minutes? Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I felt like it was more third from watching, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he's getting 4.8. So I'm just trying to say, when you just like you said, comparing it as a group of, of money that they're spending, and then I went to the Leafs and looked at them because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, living here, there's a lot of Leaf fans. And so they had, you know, they have a bunch of people around five, five point something. So maybe second pairing 5.5 can manage, but like you said, depends how the performance comes and i think i uh we all want to welcome duncan and make him feel comfortable in the city i i would hate to see that if he unfortunately is you know is a player that's looking like he's 38 and aging and stuff what the city is going to turn on him i sure hope that doesn't happen because you know how it can go here so you know i well here i don't live in edmonton but i feel like i do sometimes you know it's all the same. yeah no i understand no thanks for that mike i appreciate yeah. it yeah so we'll see how it goes but it's maybe not the end of the world you know fingers crossed Reed. so thanks man all right, that is Mike from Ottawa chiming in, 780-496-0063. Al texts into the show, same number. Analytics to me mean not that much. If Darnell Nurse had played with Chicago last year, he would have had not very good numbers. And if Keith had played here, his numbers would have been a lot better. Jason says, Reed, I know all of the comments have been all over the place with the Keith trade. That being said, I'm more worried about Holland overspending with wingers than I am with the one and a half to two million overpayment on two years of Keith. The term is the killer. Uh, so will be the overpayment on the free agent market. Yeah, and that's the thing. There are other concerns here for this roster. Do, do I think Duncan Keith is going to make or break the Oilers' upcoming season? Quite frankly, I don't. I, I mean, certainly if he if he plays poorly, that's going to hurt. But as I referenced last night, a large, uh, unless I'm not, I'm not starting that sentence properly, but, but a lot of how the Oilers do this season, again, will come down to goaltending. Like, imagine Mike Smith was like one notch below how he played this last season, the, this 56-game season. I would say the Oilers probably still make the playoffs, but I can't say it for sure. They sure as heck don't finish second. If if he's you know if he's kind of one notch below how he played, I know I'm kind of being vague, but you know if his save percentage is uh, you know even .07 lower than what it was, you know, or .1 lower than what it was, are the Oilers the second place team in the division? I, I'm not sure that they are. So. You know, that's going to be another huge thing. Uh, Dirk in Cochrane says, uh, since hockey is a team game, I don't put too much weight on the individual analytics. I'm sure Chelios' game declined into his 40s, but he was still a productive player until he was 48 because of his elite skating and gamemanship. Keith reminds me of Chelios. I, yeah, I, I know there's been a lot of that comparison. I know Ken Holland has made it himself. Um, I am I am not worried about Keith's gamemanship. I'm not worried about the experience, the attitude, the conditioning, and he can be a jerk to play against. And the Oilers need that. I I am worried about the mobility. That that does uh, worry me because if that goes in an older in an older player, you're probably not getting that back. Um, but uh, hey, Dirk, hopefully I'm wrong. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. Clefbaum, we don't expect to play for the Edmonton Oilers next season. This texture says so many people ignoring that Chris Chelios was still getting Norris votes at the age of 38. Keith is definitely not. 
Well, and I think that's that's a really good point to make, and I think that's why a Keith to Chelios comparison is a very, very loose one. I, I mean, it might be in the same ballpark, but it, it's not in the same part, part of the ballpark. Uh, now, Duncan Keith is not coming here to try to win a Norris Trophy or be the number one defenseman. Uh, I mean, Ken Holland said today with Bob, he said it yesterday, he sees him on the second pair. Fair enough. But, but right, the Oilers are not acquiring a player who's still one of the best defensemen in the game. At the age of, it, it is 38-year-old season, Chris Chelios finished sixth in Norris Trophy voting and played 25-16 a game. We're talking about Keith coming here and hopefully playing less than 20 minutes a game. And then in his 40-year-old season in 01-02, Chris Chelios was second in Norris Trophy voting and played 25-18 per game. So he actually played more as a 40-year-old than he does as a uh, 38-year-old. Even at 41, he still played 24-15. His ice time started to drop off after that. So, yeah, I I understand why people make that comparison. I, I know why Ken Holland has brought it up. I don't think it's like a really linear direct comparison. I think it's a personally, I think it's a very loose comparison. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Brent is on the line. Hey Brent. Yeah, like you were saying, I I mean I think there's very few defensemen out there that that can play the way Duncan Keith plays. And I definitely think we don't have those defensemen besides like Adam Larson played well this year. Wasn't so great previous years because of injury. I think it's I think it's something that I would take a, a risk on. Like you guys said, if he if he's playing second line, I think it's it's worth a shot. I mean I didn't like the the cap hit we took, but I think I think Kenny has a, the right idea, and I think we're in the right direction. So, and were you comfortable giving up Jones and the third round pick? Yeah, I, I, I was. I think I love Jones, but we got so many good young defensemen coming up in the in our stream. So, yeah, I think I, I think we could get rid of Jones. I would have liked them to try to uh, because of the. Because of them, because of Chicago taking him because of his brother. Yeah, we could have maybe done a little better, but I don't think Caleb Jones is huge in our in our future. So, yeah, I'm good with it. All right. Hey, Brent, thanks for calling. Have a great evening. You too, bud. That's Brent, 780-496-0063. We got a text here from March. I, I want to read this one because he uh, put a lot of effort into it. Hopefully they can get it in in the last minute here. He says, so I think the trade was far from perfect, but still solid for the following reasons. Knowing Clefbaum is out for at least this season, left a big hole again. Looking at the list of left-handed free agent defensemen, the list of guys better than Keith is slim, and I think some of those guys are not likely to sign in Edmonton anyway, like Alexiak and Martinez. For the guys who are better or would sign, it's probably for similar money or more term. Uh, the Oilers' core, I, I got to edit you down here, March. Uh, the Oilers' core apparently loved it. The players know who is good and what's needed in the room. The fans don't know the room. And March also says Keith experience matters. And for as good as we think the Oilers' young deep press prospects are, what if a guy like Bear played in the top six of either team that made it to the Stanley Cup final? That's a little bit that uh, March wrote in to 780-496-0063. Okay, uh, Stoffer's going to check in. Morley has an Elks update on the second hour.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.